You're listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association, where we discuss the latest market trends in outdoor recreation. And now, here are your hosts, Kelly Davis and Patrick Hogan. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Inside the Outdoors. I'm your host, Patrick Hogan. In this episode, Kelly and I discuss trends among Gen Z, unpacking their relationship with the outdoors, and discussing ways to market outdoor recreation activities to members of this generation. How do we reach Gen Z? What can outdoor recreation activities offer Gen Z? How can we effectively engage in consumer research efforts to guide our relationship with Gen Z? Let's get into it. Note the video on TikTok that we saw last night that featured a psychologist and teacher did some homespun research on the feelings of Gen Z members. She wanted to learn if the current popular theory that social media is to blame for Gen Z's mental health issues or the pandemic is to blame for Gen Z's mental health issues or gun violence or other issues. Um, According to Gen Z, the conclusion that social media is causing most of their problems is incorrect. The incorrect answer, according to Gen Z, um, is hopelessness. So I I analyzed 1,107 comments uh-huh. For for yeah, for content, not officially because you know it was two in the morning. But I mean, at least eighty percent of them had some some language that indicated hopelessness about the future. Okay, I can okay, do the that. Best, what I can't. The, go ahead. What I disagree with is that social media is not part of the problem, right? Like if I, I'm, I'm going to get to that. Yeah. Okay. Get to that. All right. Hold on. A heroin addict's not going to tell me they think heroin's the problem, right? Like, maybe I'm an I, asshole, but I actually I, I'm not going to ignore data. I got I got you on this. The vast yeah, majority of the comments from Gen Zers were centered on hopelessness. Um, they're dealing with despair from what many perceive as a society in disrepair, divided society, a society that a reasonable analysis would show does not value their opinions, and in many cases does not value their lives. Yeah, Girls are particularly yeah, hard hit. By new restrictions on their on their right to healthcare and medications, yeah. up to and including their right to make reproductive decisions for themselves, and the right for healthcare providers to administer life saving care to women with complications during pregnancy or during delivery. Mm-hmm. OBGYN deserts are already becoming an issue, and in some states that have passed bans on abortion, um, many states are looking or trying to pass total bans with no exceptions. Some red states, including Idaho, who has already passed yeah. legislation that limits travel out of the state for pregnant women. Many worry that contraceptives. Yeah. Many worry that contraceptives will be banned next. They'll be cheat. They'll be GTQ. Gen Z members report that they're feeling that they are fleeing red States for their safety and the safety of their families. Recent legislation limiting the rights of some to express themselves in publics and rollbacks on rights led by conservative Christian Republicans are driving the community away from those locations, especially in places where second amendment rights are a top priority. The prohibitive cost of housing, food, transportation, and literally everything appear to be strangling Gen Z. The starting wage needed to live in a one-bedroom apartment in most cities, not to mention quaint little Zoom towns like Bend, Oregon, is more than 75K. Gen Z listed a long list of issues, including social media. 30% listed that as an issue. Um, Say say that again. 30% of them listed social media as an issue that's negatively affecting them. And it was clear that they're not looking forward to their future. Gen Z employee, and then I get into the dark humor and all that. But it was, I mean, it's sort of a fascinating run, right, down that yeah. rabbit hole. And I learned, I, I feel like I learned a lot. I might have just been injected with a huge amount of bias <laughs> about Gen Z, and I'm well aware of that. But but holy shit, it was sort of a, 
you know, the the I'm I'm seeing the, the arguments from from older Americans in particular focus on things like is the problem is social media. The problem is yeah. and and but their generation is not seeing it the same way. They're seeing what they're saying is that we are brought into a world that's a that's a literal mess. I mean, this mm-hmm. is a generation that was defined by being born after 9-11, right? Yeah. Defined by, yeah, and and have been shown those images. And, you know, they they were with us as we digested and and deconstructed what happened that day and and responded to it. And the way we responded to it has affected our lives ever since in very significant ways. Yeah. But they were born into that. And they are they're born into a world with social media, but they're they're you know, they experienced the Great Recession in 2008 and, and the pandemic. I mean, it's their lives have basically just been, you know, a series of crises of these once in a lifetime events. And they're like, fuck you. It's happened like 10 times. I'm 15 <laughs> years old. So I, I, I have yeah, I, I think yeah. what I'm trying what I'm trying to do, Patrick, is develop a, a, um, a working sense of empathy. For what the, what Gen Z and, and Gen Alpha are 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 going through. I mean, what is their mindset? What is their perspective? Because mine doesn't matter. What I want to mm. know is is what's going on in their heads, and you know what what can we offer them as an industry to mitigate some of those issues? I mean, what is outdoor offering that is appealing to this generation, and how do we how do we better appeal to them? Yeah. And I'm so, yeah, this all started with me looking at the participation data and mm -hmm. noting that that age cohorts six to 17 and 18 to 24, the 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 number of outings. So the the amount of the frequency of their participation has been falling for 15 years. I mean, we've gone through a little bit of up and down because that's related, I think, to the pandemic. But overall, the long-term trend here is down. I mean, we're down from about 93 outings on average for the outdoor participant. We're down in the 70s today. And that's 15 years, 15 years of trend. That's a that's significant. That's and it's it's very worrying to me that I'm I'm seeing um decreases in in the frequency of participation of young people, particularly. So that's 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 where this started for me. This is that's where this line of thinking started yesterday mm-hmm. and, you know, really trying to understand what's going on with younger generations and thinking about how do we reach them? What are our concerns for them in terms of, you know, lack of disposable income, lack of time, all of the things that they're talking about, including qualitative emotional issues for them? Like, you know, my God, I, they're they're living in fear. Um, they're living in a state of hopelessness. They don't think that that they're going. They're not looking forward to their future. In a nutshell, that's what yeah. those 1,100 yeah. comments could be distilled down into. Like, what do we have to look forward to? You handed us a broken world. You handed us a, a, a environmentally um, compromised world, and you expect us mm-hmm. to fix it. And we've got to live in this. And you know, we can't expect things like. We we can't expect to own a house. We can't expect yeah. to yeah. to um, be able to afford to have kids. And why would we want to bring kids into this world anyway? Um, you're telling us that climate change is is basically going to destroy our environments and make them almost unlivable within the next hundred years. I mean, wh- what is going on? And and how have we overplayed certain hands, right? And in ways that have have caused some damage to those generations in their perception of of outdoor recreation and just generally being outdoors the last thing you said about like how have we done them a disservice by 
presenting outdoor recreation as a particular type of activity. I think that's huge. Like you and I've talked about this sort of coming at different angles, but like the archetypes of the outdoor rec participant for individual categories. Like if you imagine a hunter, you imagine an old white guy with, you know, a vest that has the patch on his right shoulder for his shotgun, you know, the angler doesn't look very different. The cyclist is the same old white guy, but he's wearing Lycra, you know, um, what can we do to challenge those archetypes and create an image and, and like create personas of outdoor rec participants that align with what we do want to offer that generation, which is an opportunity to like, take care of your mental health, take care of your physical health, create a bond with the outdoors. We, we talked about a lot of this stuff a couple of weeks ago in our episode about like the nexus of mental and physical health and how we, um, how we can position outdoor recreation activities as a way to like take care of ourselves mentally and physically the, the personas that we present out into the world many times don't reflect that. They just reflect like go faster, stronger, better, climb higher, you know, whatever it is. What, what do we do if that doesn't resonate? We, we've done a disservice to Gen Z by not, not showcasing that our activities can give them what they need. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, the way that we've been talking about it indicates that that we don't know how they feel, that we're not empathizing oh, with, yeah. with them. And that's a that is that would be a major turnoff in terms of engagement. If if you don't if you don't try and understand me, you know, why would I feel a sense of community with you? Yeah. That's that's so great. I, I guess my my assumption just a second ago was that um we know what they need. But yeah, you're exactly right. Like let's let's take a, a further step back and and we don't know what they need. Um so I'm going to ask you a question and I know the answer. How do we figure out what they need? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, this we've got research. This is this is what consumer intelligence is all about. And yeah. I mean, this is like the idea is that you you know, you're going to drill into the mind of various consumers and you've got to do it in a way where you, you're not assuming that you know already. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the problems that I see across outdoors when People are, are even thinking about segmentation. They're not thinking about doing actual customer segmentation. They're thinking about defining the archetype that they see in their yes. head and it's stopping yes. there. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty frustrating. And what, what happens is we end up with very scant and sometimes bad information about entire cohorts of our consumers. And right. honestly, in outdoor, if we, if we don't take care of the young people, we're going to suffer for it for at least 40, 50 years. Oh, for sure. Uh, we've talked about like the um, the experience of like growing up and learning how to ride a bike, and and um, for those that are in the mountains, like learning how to ski, or for those that are on water, learning how to fish, or how to wakeboard, or water ski, like whatever it is. It's those interventions get more and more difficult the older you are. Like there's there's a window of opportunity that outdoor rec has to connect with people, and when you miss that window, by the time you're in your 30s, 40s, for sure, your 50s, like you you've kind of got your thing. You're not gonna you're not going to win someone back. Like it's a long runway if we don't connect with a young audience when, when it's opportune for us to connect with them, you know? Well, if we don't know them when they're young, how are we going to know them when they're old? Yeah. So when they're 50 and maybe, you know, maybe they've got a completely different attitude and, and they're looking to get outside and stay active because, you know, that's good for their body and they yeah. want to keep their body alive. And at this point, I'm wondering if it, those kids are thinking they're they're not going to make it past 50. Um, but it, it, it's it's fascinating. I think what if you're if you're a small company and and you're interested in doing this, you're interested in segmenting your market and targeting consumers, and you're dealing with young people, 
you know, there's there's some methods that you can employ, including, yeah, social media is not a bad place to go dig deep on trends and to to really mm-hmm. try and explore a notion that you have about a particular cohort. The, the, the key thing to tell people that are, are going to do some DIY here and that there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. But as researchers, one of the things that we do is consciously try and remove bias before, yeah. before we enter into an analysis of data. So if you're doing this yourself, just remember that you have all kinds of, of what we call heuristics or shortcuts in your mind that were developed really between the ages of zero and six that you're really not aware of that happens. And it, you know, it's, I'm sure many of you are self-aware of these things, but when you're going into a research project, one thing that I would recommend before you go do this is just examine what you think. What, what are your perceptions of the group that you're looking at? What are your biases? Do you think a certain thing? Like, do you think social media is the biggest problem with young people ever? Or do you think that all kids are smoking too much pot or they're having too much sex? I mean, there are th- things to, to really examine about your perspective before you try and examine the perspective of, of a different cohort in order to segment a consumer. Yeah. I, I'm going to bring it back down to a level, like a couple steps below too, because you, you mentioned a couple things that are like pretty, pretty high level. Um, even something as simple in the bike industry as like critically evaluating how we use language and how we describe our activities. And if I'm going to do a study on cycling, the way that I say road cycling might be read differently by everyone in that study. Right. And so even some of these, like some of the minutia that that are just so commonplace to those of us in the industry and those of us who are like working in a brand or working in a dealer right now, it, it's so critical to uh, like deconstruct your heuristics so that you can do the best possible research. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's something, that's one reason that we get paid to do what we do, right? Because we are, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I, and I, it, it wasn't just that I was trained to do it. It's that I've done it consistently across 35 years of, of a career in research. And it's important every single time. Yeah. Um, it's important for me. And I've, I've got a bias worksheet that I, you know, I don't share with people. You don't share, you don't have to share this with people, but I have a worksheet with about 140 potential biases listed on it. And I go through before every project and I do a check mark analysis. No one ever sees it. No one will ever see those, but it's important for me to do it. It's like, yeah. it's sort of a, you know, it's, it's an admission and, and hopefully a shedding um, at least by awareness of some of the biases that I have. Oh, so it, yeah, I mean, and they they change. They've changed over time. Isn't that interesting, right? One day at the end of my career, I'm going to write. I'm going to write a book about this, um, and a, a book about it's. It's just going to. The title is going to be bias, and it's going to be big on the bias. And I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to talk about ways in which bias affects the way you see the world. But There's if you're a doing link this in the yourself, description for a discount on bias available on Amazon. Yeah, coming soon <laughs> to the New York Times bestseller list. Kelly Davis. Sorry to interject. Bias. A stupid joke. No, I th- maybe it's not a joke. Maybe I should just get off my ass and write the book. Thank but you, I mean, it, it's really, I, th- I think there are a lot of small companies in outdoor that are looking for resources to help them do this. Or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're they're becoming aware that they need to do this and their resources are are small. So they need to learn how to target. They need to learn what language different cohorts are using to describe their activity and their products. They yeah. need to know that in order to be effective with with a limited with limited resources. I mean, this is what can supercharge growth in a small company is finding your the your audience and communicating with them effectively. 
So that's we hit the three pillars of this podcast. Know your customer, reduce cost, maximize profit. <laughs> we we disguise but, those three pillars in every episode in one way or another, but we are a little explicit about them here, but I, I dig it. That's, yeah. Uh, if you only listen to one episode, you're going to get all the content from all the other episodes, right? Know your customers, reduce your cost, maximize your profit. And 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 here, what, what we're saying is like, don't waste money by talking to people in a way that they don't want to hear, you know, like figure out who you want to talk to, figure out how they are going to receive messages, and then be focused with your marketing and communication strategies so that you can meet them where they are with language that they understand, with um, an image of your activity that resonates with them. And then you connect with them so much more efficiently and, and like bring them in instead of just scattershot and wasting money and wasting effort and just like selling to people that look exactly like you. Yeah. And this is where people get pissed off and start saying, oh, Gen Z is lazy and dumb and just sensitive and they can't do anything. And and Gen X is this and the boomers are that and the millennials are this. That's all bullshit. Yeah. But yeah. Right understand that that's bullshit and and you've taken several positive steps on the road to valid research. I did a study once in the hunting industry um testing the theory that video games were introducing kids to hunting and shooting sports and we did find that like a small minority I think it was like 2 3 4% of those who had started a hunting or shooting activity within a given time frame were introduced but through video games but it wasn't younger Americans. It was older. It, it was Americans in their in their thirties or something. It was it was like so not the narrative that everyone on social media had had purported. But it was, um, you know, like it, it, it's important to challenge those notions and and do sound research in order to figure out like if that assumption that you've made is based in truth or if it's just a, a narrative that that's not going to serve us well. Yeah, I think maybe the one last thing I'll say about this and people that are doing DIY research, you should be doing it. What I really want to say is the three most important words in this world when you're doing research are, I don't know, right? Yeah. Be 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 magnanimous, admit when you don't know something. And frankly, sometimes it's the most freeing thing to say, I don't know, let's see what the data tells us. Yeah. Open it, up. It should be, we should be explicit that you and I also don't know. We just happen to have mics in a podcast, but it's, <laughs> we, we don't know. We don't know either. Um, I think, I think what we're saying is that, that we can provide tools that will help yeah. you get, get to a deeper, a deeper understanding of all of these topics and will help you build your customer base. We'll help you improve your marketing. We'll help you improve your engagement. We'll help you increase your bottom line. If, you know, if that's what you're looking to do, um, that's what this is designed to do. And, you know, I love this job because I get to say, I don't know all the time and go find out. That's it. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association. We'll see you next time.